I'm Will Baker, president of the Chesapeake Bay Foundation, and this is our continuing podcast series, Turning the Tide, Saving the Chesapeake Bay. I'm at a little community that neighbors the Chesapeake Bay Foundation's headquarters in Annapolis, Maryland, called Highland Beach. And I'm with the longtime former mayor of Highland Beach, Ray Langston. Ray, thank you for having us here. You're welcome. Glad to have you. And where here <laughs> is, is in the Frederick Douglass Museum, one of the gems in a um, many jeweled crown of the community of Highland Beach. Before we talk about the museum, Ray, give us just a little bit of history of Highland Beach. It's fascinating. Highland Beach was founded in 1893 by Charles Douglas and his wife Laura, Frederick Douglass's son. <clears throat> they visited a nearby community and because of the height of segregation at that time, they were escorted off the property, crossed Black Walnut Creek, which is the divide between us here, met a black farmer by the name of Daniel Bashirs, who owned all this land. And they became friends, and Charles talked him into selling him 40 acres here on the Chesapeake Bay. So Charles started Highland Beach in 1893. He had this subdivided into lots, 50 by 150, and had friends of the Douglas family and friends and acquaintances of the family begin to buy lots. One of the original developers. Yes, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. The first house was Charles' house. It's no longer standing. The second house was this house. It was called Twin Oaks, and this was built for Frederick Douglass. And Frederick Douglass supervised the building and the uh, architecture of this house. It was going to be his summer home when he retired. Unfortunately, the house was finished the same year he died, 1895. But he did get to sit here and stay here a couple of nights while the house was being constructed, but never got to fully move in and live here. It's, it's absolutely stunning. And as we sit here, I'm looking up at a portrait of Frederick Douglass, photographs, even a, um, a small bronze uh, sculpture of Frederick Douglass in his seat. Uh, we want to come back to Highland Beach for a bit, but, but just before, we'll, we'll do this a couple of times. The museum is open to the public, but only by appointment. And how, how do people access information about the museum? Yes, my wife Jean is the curator, and we have an all-volunteer staff. That's why we don't have full hours. So if you call a day or two before, we can arrange to have someone open and give you a tour. The number to call is her number, 410 267-6960. You can also go on our website, highlandbeachmd.org, and you can see more about the history and all of the events that take place here. Highland Beach, M as in Mary, D as in David, dot O-R-G. Yes. And we'll repeat this at the end, and we'll put it on our website as well. So the community of Highland Beach was the first, as I understand it, African-American resort community in the United States? Yes, Highland Beach was founded, as I had indicated, 1893, becoming the first African-American summer resort. It was meant to be a year-round, uh, not a year-round, but a summer mm -hmm. community primarily. Um, and at that time, as you recall, uh, Annapolis and 
Washington, D.C., and all of Maryland was pretty much segregated. So you had to have a spot, some place where uh, African Americans of color could come and enjoy without the pressures and segregation. So we had famous, famous people come here every year. Paul Lawrence Dunbar, the poet, who wrote the poem, Ships Passing in the Night, used to stay here. In fact, he bought the property next door to us over here. You had Charles Chestnut, the poet. You had Paul, uh, you had, uh, Paul Robeson, Conti Cullen, Booker T. Washington. They all came here in the summertime. Get out of town. Yeah. All yeah. of those had houses here and no, they would- No, they came to visit. Came to visit. Yeah. And this, but when did people start building houses? They started in 1893. Um, you will recall, for example, that the Bay Ridge Inn burned down in 1914. The Bay Ridge Inn being the site the Chesapeake Bay Foundation's headquarters now sits. Exactly. And a lot of the salvageable lumber was purchased by property owners in Highland Beach. And many of these homes were built out of that lumber. My house was built in 1915 entirely out of the lumber from the Bay Ridge Inn. And in the early days, a lot of the residents were summer residents. Summer only, yes. And now more and more of the houses are weatherproofed and are year-round houses. Yes, we're about 50-50 about now, mm -hmm. year-round. And then we have people who have week, uh, come weekends only, and, so, uh, and then we have summer only, right. yeah. Now I'll ask you a leading question because I know the answer to it. Tell us what Highland Beach has done in terms of environmental protections, well, protecting the Chesapeake Bay and interest in that. It's been, it's quite a story. Yes, yes. We have, uh, we spearheaded, I think, in this entire area, installing rain gardens throughout the entire community, not just in one area, but throughout the entire community. Then we built a new town hall, which unlike, which I should say like the Chesapeake Bay Foundation, at that time was the only other LEEDS Platinum Certified building in Anne Arundel County. And so I think we, we have the, uh, the roof garden and all of the things that make it a Platinum Certified building. So I think we, we've taken the lead in just about everything, every area that we could as a community to help protect the Bay. Highland Beaches Town Hall is a lead platinum building and you all did that very early on i've got to be yeah. proud and yeah. say we were the first yes. actually in the world that's the right. chesapeake bay foundation first in the world but you all looked at it you all came over you visited yeah. and you said we can do something like that as well yes and you really did an amazing thing with that town hall that's as spect spectacular as well. Yeah, I, I think it was quite significant in the fact that everybody else was saying, you can't do this on a small, for a small building like this. It's too expensive, it's too this, it's too that. But we proved them wrong. We proved you could do it. And, uh, and, and in fact, I know we are the only municipal building in the state of Maryland with a LEEDS Platinum certification to date, so. And as we sit here, <laughs> In the Frederick Douglass Museum, we look right out on the broad expanse of the Chesapeake Bay. The bay has always been important to the residents of Highland Beach and protecting the bay. I mean, these rain gardens, you all were doing before I think there was even the term coined rain garden. 
Tell yes. us a little bit about them and how the community has embraced them. And what, what are the role, of, what is the role of rain gardens? Well, let me first go back and say the motivation for what we do and what we've done in this community begins with Frederick Douglass. Um, if you notice, there's a sign outside the door and there's a special little balcony upstairs that he designed. And he said that someday when I retire, I'm going to sit here as a free man and look across this bay where I was born a slave. And that is, this building is the only building to date that has a widow's peak that was built that far back when this house was built. Also, if you read his autobiography, My Bondage and My Freedom, in there is a poem which he talks about, Oh God, save me. And you don't realize it until you get to the last line of the poem. And he said, someday this very bay is going to set me free. And he was calling the bay God. And the bay set him free. He escaped using the Chesapeake Bay to Baltimore, to New England, to Europe, and got his freedom that way. Ray, yeah. I'm getting chills. I'm getting goosebumps hearing you tell the story. That is so extraordinary. Yeah. And talk about the bay and the and the for the for the residents. It's really almost a spiritual attraction. It is. It is because we grew up here as children with a total respect. Total. Even as summer residents, we were not allowed to leave trash here. When we left on weekends to go back to Washington, Baltimore, we took our trash with us. Garbage was buried. You didn't bury trash, but any type of, I mean, we were original composters, I think. <laughs> <laughs> so we were taught as children before we leave Sunday to go back to Washington, we had to police the property and leave it clean and, and so forth. So we've always been very conscious of, of protecting the environment here. The classic old maxim of leave your campsite better than you found it. Yes, exactly, exactly. Have you seen any changes in the Bay since you, well, first tell us how long you've been coming to Highland Beach and you're now a full-time resident. Yes, I, I was born in 1939. I started coming, I guess, my best memory when I was about five or six years old and we came every summer and um, because this is where we went to, to, to get away from the city in the summertime. What was the bay like then? It was much cleaner than it had been recently and starting to clean up again now, but they, there was a period of time you could walk out there with water up to your chest and look down and see your feet, but that disappeared some time ago, but now it's starting to come back again and that's good to see. Tell us, tell us the sort of things that you're seeing and I am seeing the same things as to what, what are indicators I, I, of the bay looking better to you. Yeah, I've never uh, remembered seeing as many in recent years, I, I would think in the last 20 years, as many horseshoe crabs as we have seen this year. The bay grasses, even the creek in the Walnut, Black Walnut Creek, the, the uh, bottom grasses are so tall now that you can see them right near the top of the water. Well, just a couple of years ago, you couldn't find them hardly. So, so we're seeing all of that. The clarity and, of the water is a remarkable... Yeah, yeah. And after, um, oh, uh, Isabel, the last hurricane, it was all the way up to here. There's a door here. It came up to my front door. It came completely under my house. Um, and the road was full of sand. So we said, no, we're not going to put the sand back in the bay. We're going to use it to build a shoreline. 
So we had a bulldozer and bobcats push the sand out of the road, and you can see there where we planted grasses, bay grasses. We planted all the grasses. We piled the sand up and planted grasses, and it has held beautifully. So you're talking yeah. about the planting of the emergent vegetation yes. on the upland. Yes. And before we were talking about the underwater grasses, they go hand in hand, exactly. both critical parts of the ecology. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, Ray, yeah. uh, for the residents of Highland Beach, for all of us who care about the Chesapeake and the rivers and creeks that drain it, let's hope this trend continues because we certainly have seen some remarkable changes. And you mentioned the horseshoe crabs. Yeah. There were more horseshoe crabs on your beach and our yeah. beach than I believe has been recorded in history. I don't we're ever remember. We're talking thousands. Yes, I don't ever remember seeing this many. I've seen them, but no, nowhere Nothing near like the population that we're seeing now. Yeah. yeah. So let's talk just a little bit about the museum. Tell <laughs> us what, where we're sitting. Tell us the sort of things that you'd see in this museum. And also, what has it meant to you, to the community, to your wife? Yeah. Well, this museum is, is remarkable in the fact that here is a summer home for a person who had been born a slave on the eastern shore and had the foresight and the fore and, and everything. In fact, it, it's remarkable when you stop and think about it. Less than 30 years after slavery, here were African Americans building summer homes and a summer community. And it is still in existence today. And all of these other communities that similar to this have long gone. So I think it's remarkable that we've been able to treasure this, to keep it for historical purposes, because people who come here, and we get people from all over the world. There are Frederick Douglass um, societies in Switzerland, in Germany, in France. They all come, they call us to do research. So, so, so many people are is interested in his history. And, and this place is sort of like a, a monument to him. But the fact that it was a summer home and not a year round, because he had another house in Washington, um, it means so much. So people come here to get a feeling of where he came from, what he did while he was here, to see the artifacts and the photographs and the documentation of his life. And they are so inspired by that. Every time, <laughs> I give a tour of our building to someone. I just am so proud to be a neighbor. I always end the tour by looking out the window, looking across Black Walnut Creek, and I say, see that building there with the two skylights? Yeah. That's the Frederick Douglass Museum yeah. that his son built for him. And then I talk a little bit about Highland Beach. It's just such a wonderful story. Yeah, we're blessed. And you really uh, are happy. I'm sure you can't take too many people at one time, but you're happy to have visitors to the museum. Absolutely. And they can, they can learn so much history about Frederick mm -hmm. Douglass and about yeah. his times and what this country went through and what we have achieved and yeah. what we still have more to do of. Yeah, exactly. So give us the information again, the telephone number and the website for those who might want to come to the Frederick Douglass Museum. You want to call Jean, J-E-A-N, Langston, at 410-267-6960. And uh, tours are available during the reasonable hours of the day. Uh, if you call a day or two ahead, it, we are much more likely to be able to accommodate you. And they can also, people can go on the Highland Beach website? Yes, 
highlandbeachmd.org. And we can accommodate about 20 people in this building at the same time. And we can put 20 people in the same time, and we yeah. can put that link on our website as well. Good. So here we sit in real history. Yes. And Ray, <laughs> you've been such a friend. I remember the first time I met you, you walked down our beach when we were building the Merrill Center and you introduced yourself as a neighbor and as a friend, and we've been so ever since. I just can't thank you mm -hmm. and your community, current Mayor Bill Sanders. It's just a great, great thing. Thank All you. you've achieved, and now we're on to saving Chesapeake Bay. Um, what, a great, what a great story. Well, I think that's something we can continue to work on together. Thank you, Ray. For Ray Langston, this is Will Baker our continuing podcast series, Turning the Tide, Saving Chesapeake Bay, every two weeks. Thank you, Ray, again, very much. You're welcome.